The following BLTV program is brought to you by O'Flaherty Law. Please enjoy. Greetings of the day, my fellow listeners, and welcome to another edition of Seize Your Business. My name is Steve Eschbach. I am your host. I am also the owner of Transworld Business Advisors here in Naperville. I am one of uh, seven uh, Chicagoland Transworld uh, offices here. In a uh, global environment, we have over 200 offices worldwide. We are the largest uh, business brokerage firm in the world, and we're also the fastest growing. And another uh, credential for me is I am one of the owners of the Business Lounge. Uh, We are delighted to have you join us today. Uh, Our Seize Your Business podcast series is designed to assist you to learn how perhaps to do a better job of running your business, improving your top line revenues and your bottom line uh, profitability. And I'm delighted to have someone who's a specialist in that area, Jim Wasak, who is a former chief financial officer and now has a consulting practice where he does the same with the clients that he interacts with. So Jim, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, for those of you who have a little bit of a historical background on seizure business, you may see and recognize the face of my guest because Jim Wasak was a former uh, host and uh, participant in the Seizure uh, Business podcast series a short while ago. And uh, we've kind of changed hats a little bit here. So again, thanks so much, Jim, for joining us. Tell us a little bit right now about what you're doing. You're a former CFO in a corporate executive world. You're doing consulting work right now. Tell us a little bit more about Jim that the audience doesn't know about yet. Well, as you say, I was a CFO at a company for a long time. Uh, the company uh, wound up having some operational difficulties, so I moved into uh, more of an operations role. But what I've uh, what I've ex- experienced in all of that is there's always um, different types of issues that get in the way of uh, people performing at their best, whether it's uh, running their business or their career or their finances, or uh, personal relationships, or whatever. And I found people um, asking me for um, support in all those areas. So I've been pretty blessed that uh, since my uh, CFO days, I, uh, I still do some consulting as a CFO, but it's really brought it into all forms of performance improvement. And I've helped people with uh, marketing and repositioning their business. I've helped job seekers. And I've even interjected a little fun into the world by having an improv class for uh, for business people. Yeah, that's an interesting concept because people probably wouldn't think that improv and uh, uh, interviewing for jobs or being effective in business development, some might not connect the two when in fact they are pretty much uh, very well connected if you, uh, if you do it correctly. Uh, before we get more into that, um, let me talk a little bit about you and your, your upbringing. Uh, Tell us a little bit about where you were born, um, how you were raised, what your interests were way back then, and what kind of influence your parents and family had on you to to create the Jim Wasak we know today. Well, um, okay, great question. Um, I was uh, born on the south side of Chicago. Uh, My parents were um, not uh, deeply educated. uh, I don't think they even finished high school, but my dad uh, started a business. And uh, he had a successful printing business for uh, for many years. In fact, I remember I was about uh, six or seven years old, and he took me with him to uh, printing equipment 
convention and uh, he um, had me show the uh, the people there how I could turn on these presses and run them. So that was pretty cool. Uh, we used to, um, let's see, we used to enjoy uh, going to uh, stock car races and uh, amusement parks. Uh, I think my parents uh, had always very high standards uh, for me and expectations, which uh, mostly is a good thing. Um, and um, 81, I got married. I got that uh, I finished college. I have a degree in business economics and then later MBA and then later CPA. And uh, I don't know, now I'm an avid golfer. Along the way, I was a huge amusement park buff. I've been to most of the big roller coasters in the whole country. And I don't know, I guess I could go on and on, but those are kind of the highlights. So in your upbringing, when you were a child, did you have aspirations of being uh, a chief financial officer or a, uh, an operational wizard, so to speak, or was your interest somewhere else? Like most of us, yeah, we want to be a baseball player. That never happens. Or, you know, maybe you were in marketing, but you went to CFO. What, what kind of, what kind of, I already know that your parents had an influence on you because your father owned a business. So there's the entrepreneurial spirit inside of you. Right. You were growing up. What were your interests and uh, how much are they different from where you are today? Okay, fair question. I would say when I was um, when I was growing up, um, you know, I didn't get a lot of what you might call career guidance uh, from my parents. I don't think they really knew much other than get some education and you'll have, uh, have a better life. Um, I guess I probably always had a little bit of a penchant <clears throat> for keeping track of things. Um, always enjoyed that. But when I went to um, college, <clears throat> uh, to be candid, I wasn't even sure I wanted to go. I think I was kind of uh, irritated about having to uh, make those kind of decisions. And uh, I guess part of me wished I could just stay a kid. <laughs> but um, I did uh, wind up going to uh, Benedictine University. And uh, the only thing I could think of uh, in terms of a major uh, was math because I was always pretty good at math in high school. So I started out as a math major. After about a year, little bit of thinking I did is I said, well, what am I going to do with a math major? So I said, maybe I should take some business classes. <clears throat> I was going to take um, um, an economics class, but it was uh, filled by the time I got there. So I wound up taking accounting. I said, well, that was, that was pretty similar to economics. And of course, being a math major, accounting, at least in the early stages, you know, pretty easy stuff. And I kind of uh, bonded a little bit with one of my teachers. And so when I was getting out of school, you know, his advice to me was, you know, go work for a CPA firm. It's not going to not going to hurt you and uh, you'll learn a lot. So I did and um, didn't really like it to be to be candid. Because um, it was, uh, you know, you go home one night and then they call you and say, oh, tomorrow you're going to this town or that town or whatever, you know, going downtown was, uh, was a hassle. So uh, I, I quit the firm and wound up taking a job at a small company and pretty quickly was, uh, you know, accounting manager there. And I, I really, I didn't like that either. 
but uh, my boss left and uh, I was promoted. So here I was, uh, gosh, I don't know, I was maybe 27 years old and I'm on the management team of, uh, of a company. I was getting a company car, which was a Z28 Camaro. And, uh, you know, life was, uh, life was good. So, um, so I stayed there. And uh, then, as I said, uh, we were having a lot of problems in the, uh, in the plant. And uh, so one day I went to the, uh, to the owner and I said, why don't you let me run it? And he says, well, you're an accountant. What do you know about manufacturing? And I said, well, I don't know anything about manufacturing, but I know the people and I know they need a leader. And that was really the key. And uh, in a little over a year's time, we got output up like uh, 50%, made a ton of money. And, um, you know, gave me a much broader perspective on life. So well, I, I answered your question without rambling too much, but uh, let me well, know if you need more. Tim, you hit the nail right on the head because um, uh, I think you demonstrated that uh, people skills are fairly important. In fact, they're critically important in successful business operations because uh, you may know the numbers, <clears throat> but you got to be able to communicate and effectively interact with uh both employees internally as well as outside vendors, suppliers, et cetera. So uh, I think, Jim, what you're saying is that uh, being able to communicate and effectively interact with, uh, with people is critically essential for success. Am I right? Oh, I think that's absolutely true. Um, interesting. Um, the fellow that I, um, that I worked for, we had many... He's a great guy, but we had many ongoing disagreements. <laughs> and uh, the, the big core of it was that he had instituted a bonus program for the executives that was based on profit. So I'm, you know, especially from a CFO position, I'm looking, hey, we could do this, we could do that. And he was uh, reluctant for, for various reasons. What I understand in, in retrospect is, is two things. One is that profit, while that was his stated objective, it wasn't his real objective. His real objective was number one, growth. Number two, take care of the people that work for him. So if I had understood that then, it would have been a lot easier to get on the same page with him and suggest things that would be truly win-win. But I was under the impression, you know, profit was, was the thing. Um, so, yeah, I think just understanding where people are coming from is, uh, is huge. Uh, I will share another story with you. Um, when I moved into that, that role, we had a fellow who was running our um, shipping and receiving department. I was a burly blue collar guy and he wasn't doing a very good job, but he had been with the company for a long time. So it was kind of a dilemma because I really didn't particularly want to have to let him go, but um, I knew I had a better performance. So one day I was at the um, company softball game and the same guy is leading and coaching and directing and managing. And I said, wow, this guy really got some leadership ability. So sat down and um, you know, asked him, how, how, can we, how can we bring that to work? So we got into a, a conversation and he pointed out that his big challenge was the people that worked for him were relatively low on the 
pay grade scale. So if he got good people, they'd quickly move to another position. And if he got bad people, they were stuck with them. He was stuck with them. So, uh, so we resolved that. We gave him some training and coaching and the guy turned into a gem. And when I was leaving the company, he put his arm around me, said, I'm really going to miss you. You changed my life. So that I thought was always a, a cool thing uh, to be able to change somebody's life. Absolutely. Jim, one of the things I really wanted to go over with you, too, is that um, and by uh, in the interest of full disclosure, Jim and I know each other from various other uh, networking events. Jim is a volunteer or was a volunteer with the Career Networking Center, which is a job resource uh, organization here in Naperville that assists uh, those that are in need of a, a next career, next job, if you will. And one of the topics that he talks about, actually two, one is how improv, you can use that in the interviewing process. And also he talks about the art of storytelling. And it sounds like that might be all kind of, uh, you know, uh, maybe not really pertinent to the matter at hand, but it, it is because improv gets you comfortable in doing what you need to do. And the art of storytelling demonstrates how successful you can be with specific examples. So that's kind of my understanding of improv, storytelling, success in searching for a job, success in what you did. And you just gave us an example of how you turned one of your leaders at your other company into a big successful leader. Uh, tell us a little bit more about improv and storytelling and you know everything else along with business and job search. I think the, the audience would get a, uh, would be extremely interested in that. Sure, sure. Well, I guess the starting point would be that I noticed one of the universal or almost universal challenges that people had in uh, job searching was just very, very uncomfortable with the interview process. And I think uh, people perceive it as they're, they have some kind of test to pass as opposed to like you described uh, our time today as just being conversational. So I, uh, and I also, uh, cause I like comedy and uh, it's probably another big aspect of me. I, I love to laugh and I love to make people laugh. Sometimes to the chagrin of my wife, but that's another story. Um, and I noticed that I, I took some improv classes, which for me was uh, very natural, but I just noticed how people who started out in the classes uh, kind of very shy. And by the end of the class, they were much less so. So I, I, I encourage people really to take it because I think it makes you more comfortable in many, many different uh, settings. Uh, and then related to that is the, uh, the storytelling piece. And rather than what I started coaching people to do is rather than tell somebody about who you are, or what you are, show them. Uh, the way you show them in an interview is a story. So uh, the advantages of story is one, it's, it's much easier than trying to answer a question because you're just relating it to people. Uh, what you actually happened, what actually happened. And I think it's much easier for the person to hear it and listen because again, it's more interesting. So as an example of that, when I told you about um, the success I had taking over the manufacturing operation, and if you were interviewing me, I could have said, well, I have uh, leadership skills and I have uh, strategy skills and I have 
people skills. And while those things are, are true, if you don't know me, those are, those are just words. Anybody can say that. But if I give a story like I, like I did, you know, company was struggling. And um, once I got involved, I talked with the people, I asked them what they needed, gave them what they needed, the company did a lot better. Um, you know, you get a much more, a richer perspective on, on who I am. And like I say, it's easier to do and it's um, more interesting for them to hear. So the other comment that you made earlier in our discussion here today, Jim, was that you like to keep track of things. And uh, many people know that accountability is critical for successful performance. And again, no matter what you're doing, if you're doing a job search, you need to be accountable on the efforts you need to get that next job. If you're in business development, you need accountability to keep track of your outreach and what kind of successes you get with the outreach. So I think that all ties together. Uh, and, and again, I think improv gets a little more comfortable in an ad hoc environment, meaning that, you know, you don't have the opportunity to prepare. You have to be able to respond instantaneously. But with mm -hmm. that arsenal of stories in your back pocket to help that whole process, I think that demonstrates that you're a little more genuine in what you've done and what you can do. Am I right about that, Jim? Oh, I think that's absolutely true. And I think, um, well, you touched on two points. So let me let me cover both of them. One is uh, keeping track of things. And what I've found, and of course, um, you know, I didn't invent this idea. I've heard it many places, but simply by keeping track of something, you, you change it, you change the outcomes. And one example that comes to mind, and this is sort of demonstrates how uh, storytelling works. But when I was in the CFO role, I had a lady working for me who, uh, you know, very capable um, and she was in charge of accounts receivable. Of course, she had never done any kind of collections type work. She was more like a, a bookkeeper type uh, clerk. So I made up uh, a simple uh, measuring device. I said, okay, what percent of our, and I think it was something like this, what percent of our over 90 days bills have been paid, what percent of our over 60, what percent of over 30? And we would just we would just sit down, you know, usually once a month or so and go over it. And, you know, she just by tracking that information, she was very focused and she was getting great results. So uh, once you tell somebody something's important, um, you know, they, they tend to focus on it. A similar story, was there was never a lot of communication with the plant in terms of how they were doing. So I started posting every month what our output goal was and what we achieved. And it, at first I did it just kind of as an experiment. I, I don't know if anybody's gonna pay any attention to this, but let's put it up there. And uh, after a couple of months, um, Unfortunately, I was uh, I was told not to do it because it tends to give too much information away to customers who might tour the plan as to how big or small we are. So I had to stop doing it. So when I stopped doing it, I was surprised. People were coming up to me. Where's that data? You know, I mean, people want to know how they're doing. Um, so uh, yeah, measuring is is important, and I've. Uh, you know, I just, I guess I just like doing it, right? Keep track of, uh, you know, many things um, in my uh, in my life. 
certainly I'm, I'm an avid golfer, so I track all my golf statistics and pretty much anything I can. I, you know, I kind of like, like uh, measuring things. Yeah, um, uh, the other thing um, that I wanted to bring up here too. Um, so now that you're um, in your consulting role and you're doing what you did at the manufacturing company you did in the past, are there any particular types of clients that you like to interact with more so than others? Do you have a niche, if you will? Or um, Yes, you- I would say uh, small to mid-sized businesses. You know, I've been uh, fortunate. I've worked with some one-man entrepreneurial businesses, and I've also done some work for uh, General Motors. So it's kind of run the, the gamut. But uh, the best is, you know, the companies in the, you know, five to 30, 40 million dollar range, because it's much easier to, to get things done. The people are usually more interested in the business results rather than, uh, you know, just keeping their job. Um, and in terms of, uh, you know, I've worked in many different industries. I mean, I certainly know manufacturing. Uh, I'm a car guy, so I like cars. Uh, but uh, really, the thing is, um, I just want to help people succeed. You know, I just hate to see people putting an effort and uh, not getting results. And um, sometimes it's just a little tweak or a little difference in perspective. And that makes um, all the difference in the world. Totally agree. Totally agree, Jim. So we're running, uh, running out of time here for our seizure business episode today. Is there anything that I haven't covered in any of the questions I asked you that you think the audience really needs to know? Well, I would just say, Steve, you know, I, I never run out of time for talking to you. So it's maybe you might be running out of time for me, which I, I get that a lot. I guess I would say, you know, the, the last comment I'll make then is uh, the most overlooked resource in a company and the most underused skill is, is people and listening. And... Uh, we were, um, uh, well, I'll tell you this other story. So once upon a time, I, I met a, a guy for the first time for business networking. And he was talking about uh, all his plans and what he was doing and everything. And, and uh, he was really engaged. And I really left the conversation feeling like, gee, I didn't contribute much because I, I didn't say too much. But he makes a point as we're leaving, he says, man, I want to tell you, I really enjoyed the conversation. And that really struck me. And I think just being listened to is a, is a powerful tool because nobody is today. You know, nobody's, everybody's rushing around and got a million things on their mind. And, you know, my wife will get mad at me sometimes. We'll go in a, a restaurant or a retail store and I'll go out of my way to make some silly comment to the to the staff and uh, she gets mad at me but uh, I feel like you know those people are just never really noticed as people you know and so when I do that they really you know they really perk up so that's my my final comment is you know be be a good listener and you'll be amazed at um, what you can accomplish. So I'm actually going to have a final comment here on this interview. So for those of you who uh, haven't read my book, my first book, which was called Link, Learn, Leverage, there is a chapter that features Jim. And the title of the chapter is, is it one-on-one or three-on-three? And kiddingly, people think I'm talking about a pickup game of basketball, but that's not Mm. the case. 
when Jim and I get together on our various mm -hmm. you know, uh, luncheon meetings or whatnot, he said, Steve, I want you to bring three names to the table and I'm going to do the same. And interestingly enough, a couple of years ago, he brought three names to me. Each of them were business owners. All three of them became selling clients of my Transworld Business Advisors. So I, I, I like that term. Is it one-on-one -on -one or three-on-three? -three? And it's, you know, to your point, you know, you're talking about measuring things and being specific. And that was powerful because the three names you gave me ultimately turned into listings that, uh, that I had Good. my Transworld. So again, um, and it goes to listening, listening to Jim, right. understanding his principles. So I, I totally agree with you. You got to listen, learn and respond as opposed to just tell. If you're just telling, then basically it's you, you, you and not them, them, them. I think it's got to be interactive and you got to be caring, responsive. And that I think relating to people is a more effective way of, uh, quote, seizing your business. How about that? Somebody, somebody told me um, early in my career as an independent consultant, um, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Absolutely. And that's, Absolutely. Uh, that's a real good, um, real good term to use. And I think that implies, that applies to, you know, business, to sales, to career, to, you know, relationships, um, you know, just people don't, uh, uh, haven't learned to, to listen enough, you know, listen and, uh, and empathize. A mantra for life in general. Last, last question, Jim, how do we go yes, to sir. find out about you? Where do we go? We go to LinkedIn, we go to a website. How do we find yeah, out? Yeah, most, uh, you know, most of my uh, work has come through some form of networking, but, uh, probably the best, uh, there's, there's probably two places you could look. One is, uh, LinkedIn, you know, I have, uh, my profile up there with uh, lots of information. The other thing uh, you could do is go on YouTube and just search on my name and you'll find uh, three different kinds of videos. Some are simply informative. Some are um, interviews because I've done a lot of interviews both for Seize Your Business and, uh, and other purposes. And some are just pure silliness and, uh, and comedy. So if you were to look at me on YouTube, um, you'd get a perspective. In fact, one guy told me once, uh, I met him only once and he hired me to do a little consulting for him. And uh, in, the in our hiring conversation, I said, well, do you wanna, do you wanna ask me any questions about me or do you need to know more about me? He said, no, I feel like I know you already because I've watched your videos. So that's another, another tip is use video. Absolutely, I totally agree with you, Jim. Hey, thanks so much for your time, Jim. And thank Steve, you, it's my pleasure. Yeah, thank you, audience, for joining us for another edition of Seize Your Business. Uh, stay tuned. There'll be plenty more of uh, interviews to help you, of course, seize your business. Thanks so much and have a good day.